Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, this episode is a fun one with our good friend and business partner, Darren Foros. Darren is a real estate investor educator, and developer. He has created a portfolio of over $30 million. He's built up one of the top-rated YouTube channels for Canadian real estate and is the co-founder of Synergy Mastermind with Steve and I. In this episode, Darren shares about how he went from doing musical theater and renovations on the side to becoming a full-time successful real estate investor. Darren was actually in Costa Rica when we recorded this, so he shares with us about how he runs his business remotely and also shares some key valuable pointers on how to pick the right partnerships in your businesses. I will say, though, my favorite part of the episode is when Darren shares how he was motivated to win an affiliate challenge because he wanted to use the money to make a donation to charity. It is pretty inspiring when you hear it. But before we start this episode, I want to take one quick second and give a shameless plug here. If you are interested in learning about our mastermind and how we are helping connect high-level Canadian real estate investors and putting them in front of incredible speakers, throwing some crazy fun events for them, and allowing them to collaborate together, then you're going to want to check out SynergyMastermind.ca. Now, back to what you all came here for. Here is the episode with Darren Voros. Awesome. Welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast. And today I am so excited to have a good friend and business partner, Darren Voros, join us today. He is absolutely crushing the real estate space right now and has been a big part of our lives over the past two years that we've been building a business together and just growing in this space. So welcome to the show, Darren. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited as well. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, chat with you and hear your journey along growing your businesses and then some of the giving components that you've put back into it and where you've learned it from and, and how you grew into that space. But before we get too deep into that, really just want to hear from you. Like, how did you go from, uh, a lot of people might not know this, but from being in theater and living in Calgary and being a cowboy kind of thing and then growing up and then all of a sudden being on, uh, on TV and getting known as a contractor and then getting into real estate and becoming a successful real estate investor now with a YouTube channel and, and getting pretty well known. And, and I think you guys are up to over $30 million in real estate projects. How do you make that transition? I think it, it happened organically in a way. I came back from Japan. I worked over in Japan for a year and I was performing over there uh, at Universal Studios. And it was a pretty sweet setup. We had an apartment paid for, trains, pass was paid for, bicycles were paid for, gym memberships were paid for. We got a per diem and we got a salary and we got paid in US dollars. And I've always been pretty good with my money. And so I saved up pretty well and lived off my salary for, or sorry, lived off my per diem for that year. And I came back and had some money and I invested in real estate. It was the only thing I knew how to do. 
And I was like taught, I guess, at a young age, like when you have money, you buy a house. And that was the extent of my real estate investing knowledge. And I, I'm going to be honest, I got a little lucky and, and I hit it in Alberta. I bought my first house in, in Red Deer where I grew up and uh, bought it in 2002. In 2006, the market was crazy and I sold it and I almost doubled my money in, in four years. And then I started buying other stuff, but it was always on the side of my, my full-time job and passion, which was musical theater. And then at some point that shifted, I just kept buying properties on the side and I was renovating on the side while I was like going and swinging the hammer during the day and then putting on my costumes and belting out show tunes at night and as you do. And yeah. And then at some point it just switched and I wanted to do this full time. And then since then it's been, it's been an amazing journey going from even just doing it on the side to being a full-time real estate investor and, and now really switching up my focus and trying to step back even more and more from the businesses that I'm in to be able to live the lifestyle that I want to be able to live. So uh, that's the quick synopsis on the journey, but that's kind of how I got to where I am now. What's it like, and and I don't know what age you were, but going from someone that's, you know, doing decent for yourself, but then you flip this property or you sell it out and you double your money and start to come into some wealth. How do you not just go buy the fancy cars and stuff like that. What was the mindset you had to create when you're getting that wealth to keep putting it back into real estate and wanting to grow ahead to look so far like into the future to know now you're living the lifestyle you want as opposed to them when you originally sold it? This is I think, something that I still struggle with today is that I have this somewhat limiting belief around money, I think, and that it we were taught that it doesn't grow on trees and you have to work hard for it. And so whenever I had money, I tended to shore, uh, put it aside versus going out and, and spending it. And I think that served me very well in theater when I did that because I was buying real estate on the side. We were making some decent money back in the days when I was doing national tours in the US and Broadway productions in Toronto. You know, it was good money, you know, relatively speaking. And But I saved a lot still. And I bought real estate and I did those things. And my friends were going out and doing what you just said. They were buying nicer cars or they were renting out like really expensive apartments. And I was like, I'm a simple person. I don't need necessarily those things. I like to have nice things, but I also like, instead of driving a BMW, I'm fine to drive a Toyota. That's just kind of how I am. That's served me very well. And But it's also been a bit of a struggle, I think, for me as of late, where I have some financial freedom now, but I'm still afraid to sometimes spend the money that I have, but that's just being reconditioned to be like, Hey, let's just enjoy it while we can life's short. And that's why, for instance, I'm traveling right now for three and a half months. Part of that was like, I'm not going to think about money for three and a half months. I don't have to think about it if I'm obviously being reasonable. And that's kind of why I worked so hard to get where I am now to be able to enjoy these kinds of things. So you want to live it up for a while. That's awesome, dude. And I know right now that you're living your dream of traveling and, and exploring and doing that. What mentality did it take to go from there? And then now you became this full-time investor and you're working hard and you're grinding. Then all of a sudden you just flip the switch and you went, Hey, I'm going to go remote for three months. You're building this big company. You just landed a bunch of big developments and then you went away. What mindset shift did you have to make along the way to say, Hey, I actually want to get out of Toronto. I want to go travel. I want to go live the remote life while still having to run your businesses back home and be conscious of that. I think there's a couple of things that have to happen in order for you to be able to do that. One, in my case, I have really good business partners. I have you and Steve in Synergy Mastermind, and we have an employee in that company. And that's really allowed us, I think, for us to be able to step back a little bit. 
Same with my development company. My partner, Alona, is a boss and, and she's unfortunately or fortunately has two children at home. And so she's rooted in Trump. She has to stay there. The only thing really that I'm rooted to is, is my dog. And I have an amazing ex-partner and she's willing to take the dog for three and a half months. So I was like, there's nothing standing in my way for me being able to go and do this other than if I'm going to talk myself out of it. And this was the first year that I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go in mid-December and I'm going to come back at the end of March. And what's the worst case scenario? I'm in Costa Rica and I'm a five-hour plane ride from Toronto. That's my worst case scenario. And I need to go back and deal with some business stuff. And it hasn't come up. There's been challenges. There's been things that have not necessarily gone well. And there's been times when I've thought, ah, I really wish I was there right now. But that's also conditioning all the people that are around me to be able to step back and say, this is the life that I want to try to live. And if I year one is hard, year two is going to get easier. And then year three is going to be even better. And I'll have better systems and better people in place to be able to do the things that I want to be able to do. But that first year, yeah, it's going to be tricky, but there's bumps along every road. And so if you can just weather the storm, get through it, I think you can, you know, live the life you want to live uh, however you want to design it. It's a learning journey for sure, man. And it doesn't matter what new venture you're doing, whether it's just working remote for a few months or jumping into a new business. And we get this question asked to Randy and myself quite frequently about like, how do you pick good partners? And we've learned through other partnerships of, oh, maybe we should have done a little bit more due diligence in that angle or in that area of business. You know, what would your advice be to people listening who might want to start a partnership with their sibling or friend or complete random person uh, that just have a, a similar vision? What's your advice on new partnerships? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think like... Solopreneur. I, I that, yeah. I say that jokingly, but I think there's two trains of thoughts here. I think partnerships are amazing if you want to exponentially grow and, and have the ability to do that. But I think people jump into partnerships sometimes just for the sake of sharing responsibility and, and sharing the risk, if you will. And so it's, oh, if there's two of us, then it, it's a less, less risky situation because there's, we're sharing the responsibilities and we're sharing all that stuff. But I know of many partnerships and I've been in a couple of them that have not gone very well. So in that scenario, it might've been better for me to just kind of stay the course and try to do things on my own. The partnerships that I'm in now, I think, I think one of the, the keys to success is that everybody brings something a little bit different to the table. With our partnership, the three of us are so different in the way that we approach things and the way that we look at things. But I think that's really what makes a great team is that we're also willing to listen to each other and we're also respect each other hundred percent. Same in my other business with Alona. Like we are very different people. She's a socialite. She loves to talk to people. I'd be okay if I never talked to a single person in an eight hour day. That's just kind of how I am. I like to be in the background doing things and looking at it. So we find things that counterbalance each other. And then also, I think it's just really a gut feeling, right? When I meet somebody, I remember meeting you guys for the first time. I was like, I like these guys. They have a similar mindset. They're living similar lives to me. And we just clicked right away. It was the same with Alona. And so if that's not there, if all of those elements aren't there, I'd say, be careful when you get into partnerships because they, it's like a marriage and you, and probably that's harder to get out of than a marriage. <laughs> I think that's the, the key to success when it comes to partnerships. Yeah, I think it's uh, such a great point. And, and it's two-sided. You need the partnerships to expand and grow, but you also put yourself in the wrong partnership and it can contract you and, and hurt you more. So vetting them and checking them and, and testing your gut. I also think you have to experience partnerships to know what you don't know. And that's something that we've done along the way is sometimes you just got to trust your gut a little bit 
and take the mentorship of other people, but you have to learn along the way what actually is a good partnership and you don't know until you get into one. So I do recommend people starting even just smaller businesses or smaller ventures, which is in the real estate world, we started with single joint venture properties and now going to bigger properties. And that's where I wanted to transition this conversation to a little bit is you're starting to take on some pretty big development projects now. And you guys started out just single family homes, and then you worked your way up into doing some eight plexes. And then now you're doing some 30 plus unit buildings. What did that look like for you going through that process of going bigger with everything that you're creating and doing along the way? I think that it was something that probably many people struggle with, and that's that they think bigger transactions are harder to pull off. And again, working with our our business coach now, it's just this idea that's just a limiting belief. It's not actually accurate. In fact, you guys would probably back this up that building a 44 unit, 20,000 square foot building or getting it under contract or dealing with the negotiations is no different than dealing with a duplex. The numbers are just bigger, but I tell you what, so is the profit margin, right? And so that's where you look at all of it and you balance it out. Do I want to spend a year negotiating a deal, getting it ready to build, and then another year to actually build the building? Yeah, that's not a bad timeline because if you look at a smaller project, you might be able to do it in a quarter of the time, but you have two units versus 44 in your portfolio, right? Now, it always comes back to money. Okay, what about I don't have necessarily the money to do that? That's where, you know, you know, uh, fine-tuning your skills on, on raising capital and those kinds of things comes into play. And I think then you back that up with a bunch of other things like a thought leadership platform like this and people start to know what you do. And, and it just, it's all a trickle effect. But I think that starting small is not necessarily something that you need to do. And I think the moment that I got over that and, and realized that the bigger transactions are just the same amount of work. And here's another little piece of advice that I always tell people, I'm like, there's way less competition at the top. Think about the kinds of people that are buying 44 unit buildings. And the price tag is, it's a $20 million project. It's going gonna, it's gonna to eliminate so many people. And so your competition is less and your due diligence time can be longer instead of no offers, no, no conditions, multiple offers, that kind of thing. It doesn't happen on a development project. So I like that space for that reason. And that's why I think just taking that leap and making that jump is, is sometimes simpler than the smaller transactions. Yeah, that's such a great thing. And, the, and along the way, what did you study? Like, you don't just think, oh, I'm going to go from here to there. And it's easy to just say it and then say, oh, it's easier just to do a bigger deal. What kind of mindset work did you have to do along the way? You said you're obviously working with a business coach now, but what sort of coaching mindset work did you do to get you to that point that you're comfortable making those investments? I think the biggest game changer for me was just being around people who were doing bigger transactions and being in proximity to them. And a lot of times, I'm sure you guys have heard this expression, and I heard it at an event we were at recently, you pay for proximity, right? You want to be around people who are doing big things. Like, yeah, maybe I don't have access to them because I don't have a membership at a country club in Toronto, but guess what? I can pay and go to a conference for a couple thousand dollars and be in a room with a bunch of people that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in in cash flow, or they're doing millions of dollars in revenue per month. Those are the kinds of people that you want to be around. And sometimes it costs you money to get in the room with them. But that's where you start to see it. Like this, And then you have a drink with them at the bar later, or you go for dinner with them. You're like, they're no different than I am. <laughs> they just you know, took a little bit different path and they have a, a little bit more 
broader thinking when it comes to the value of money or things like that, the value of time. So I think that it just is a matter of getting around those people. And sometimes the bottom line is you got to pay to be there. And that's where you can really see a big shift. And, and that's when I started to see it in my business too. Darren, do you think anybody can be successful? I really do. Yeah. I, I think that you have to you have to want to be successful and you have to do some basic things. We always joke about manifestation. <laughs> you guys know how I feel about it. <laughs> but I'm starting to become a believer, that's for sure. But manifestation will only get you so far. At some point, you got to put one foot in front of the other and do something about it. So I think that, but if you're willing to put in the time and the energy, I think anybody can be successful. Tell me about a time where it's forced you to sacrifice someone that you value to be successful? That's a, that's a great question. And so I, I think, think they are, are hand in hand. Sorry to mean to interrupt. I think you have to define what your vision of success looks like. And oftentimes, if I want to be a bazillionaire, that's going to mean sacrifice of, okay, I need to not walk my dog every single day for three hours and sacrifice that time there so I can be building the business. Yeah. I, I think that I, I lost a relationship because of, of business. It was exactly that situation where I was pulling all kinds of hours, just saying yes to everything. I was, I was a behind the scenes contractor on an HGTV show, which was like a crazy time schedule. And then I got hired with, with Scott McGilvery's company to go out and speak every weekend. And I was touring all over North America, speaking to people about real estate investing. And that was a point in my life where I was just, when I was home, I was working. When I was not working, I was traveling. And that was a sacrifice that, that my partner wasn't necessarily willing to make and called me on it and said, look, are you going to focus on just business and, and making money? Or are you going to focus on our, our relationship and our family? Because we had just gotten our dog at the time. And it was a tough decision because I'm a person of my word. And so I couldn't just turn off the tap to those things because I'd committed to something. I was like, I have to see this through. Can you give me a little bit more time? And, and she wasn't necessarily willing to do that at the time, just because it had been dragging on for quite some time. But I think that was a situation that looking back, I definitely focused more on business and was sacrificing that relationship. But it's one of the things that I hear from, you know, the most successful people that we talk to is that you've got to balance, you have to balance business and life because you can make all this money, but it doesn't necessarily make you happy. And so, and if you're making other people unhappy as well, that's even worse in my eyes. You can make sacrifices, but I think there's also times you need to put your foot down and say, I've got to focus on quality of life and I've got to focus on the people around me because that's really what's important. But absolutely, I don't think um, you can build a business without making sacrifices. So what would you do differently then if you start a new relationship and you're working just as hard as you probably ever have been, maybe it's a little bit more focused or dialed in but what would you do differently this time around? I think that I'm more choosy now in terms of all I look at now is just what is my, what's the hourly rate of this task or job that I'm doing? And does it meet my criteria? And, and if it doesn't, then I need to say no to it because there's all kinds of opportunities that are going to be placed in front of people at various times in your life. And you can, it's pretty easy to say yes. And then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed and then your quality of life goes out the window. But what's the true dollar amount that you're earning on that task and take the high ones and, and let the other stuff go and, or outsource it. That's something else I think that I would do very differently is like, I was running the job site on that behind the scenes job for HGTV. I could have hired five people, but it was about the, the numbers. It was about the dollars. If I was there and I was putting in more hours, I was going to make more money. 
but ultimately it's, it didn't work out in my favor. So I would have been better to just hire two people to replace me so that I could step back and do some of those things that I need to be able to do. So to do it over again, that's what I do. I'd outsource a lot more. I'd find out where I'm in my zone of genius, where I feel like I'm providing the most amount of value and live in those areas and outsource and delegate the rest. Beauty. One of the things that I've seen you do so well over the past few years is, is the expansion of your YouTube channel. I know that's something that uh, you've worked very hard. It was a fun thing to start with, but you had a mission behind it. And part of that was wanting to uh, teach and train. You love teaching and training, and it was to help others, which you love doing. And it was to build some passive revenue on the back end. And you've looked very dialed in on that channel and you've worked very hard on it. Can you just walk us through the growth of that, of when you first thought of the idea of YouTube and then where it is now? <laughs> it's, it's been fun. Uh, it's been challenging. It's a grind for sure, depending on how much content you want to produce and, and what format you do it in. YouTube is incredibly time consuming because of the, the way that I do it anyway. Like I, I think I put out good quality content. It's hard hitting. It's very dialed in in terms of I don't have a lot of extra fluff. It's like you you sign in, watch a video, and it's, it's, you're going to get all the information you need in that short amount of time. So there's a tremendous amount of production value that, that goes into that. But it's always been my mandate from the beginning. I really wanted, that was the thing I saw many other people doing podcasts, long form content, or even on their YouTube channels, they were doing interviews and things like that, which is great. But you had to listen to 35, 40 minutes of stuff to find those two or three pieces of content that are really going to hit home. So I thought, what if I took those kinds of moments and just created a video around them? And hopefully people will, will gravitate towards that. And it was a slow start. And that's the thing. People, I think when they asked me if, about my YouTube channel and what I would do differently, I'm like, I don't know that there's much that I could have done differently. You just have to be prepared that nobody's going to watch your stuff for the first little while. You might have your friends and family jump on and subscribe to your channel, which is awesome. You get a hundred subscribers like, woo, I'm famous. And then you just keep putting out content. And that's the thing. You just have to be consistent and deliver quality product. And eventually people start to come around. And that's, I think when I got to a thousand subscribers, it was such a big moment for me. And then when I got monetized on YouTube, I was like, okay, let's open up the, the floodgates. Let's let, let it rain money. Cause I heard that once you get monetized, <laughs> this is how you, how you do it. And I was getting, I'm getting 30 bucks this month and then 50 bucks next month. <laughs> you're like, okay, so this isn't how you make money on YouTube. You start to just really go back to why you started things. And it was for those exact reasons, Randy, it's, you, you want to give back, you want to share your knowledge, but it also really helps other elements of my business, raising capital people. Almost, I can walk into almost any room when it comes to a real estate event. Now, if it's Canadian, especially people like they know me, they've seen my stuff, whatever it's like, there's a familiarity there. And then of course I have my products, like my masterclass and some other stuff that I sell out of my YouTube channel. Being able to monetize that is a, is a nice thing to be able to do, but it wasn't that wasn't why I started it as a, as a way to get back into for people to get to know me a little bit, but it's, it's a love and love hate relationship for sure with my YouTube channel. Yeah. And for anybody out there who is uh, interested in learning more about real estate investing on any level, I would highly recommend Darren's YouTube channel. It's one of the best out there. Your production level is great. Content is clean, precise, clear. It's short form. A lot of the time it's been really great to watch that evolve, but also like, also just watching you evolve too, man. Like 
when we first got connected a few years ago to where you're at now, like I've watched you change from a mindset perspective, from evolving into uh, a business owner to watching you give back on network more. You mentioned that you're a bit of an introvert at times, but it's been interesting to to watch you grow and blossom and really life by the horns. And the one piece I want to bring this back to is your first experience at a conference called Thrive, Make Money Matter hosted by a mentor of ours, Cole Hatter. And he's been in Randy's in my life for uh, a number of years now. And he's actually a big reason why we've created this podcast, very similar missions of making money matter, go big to give big. Uh, so how did you know going to that event change your mentality around philanthropy and giving back through business and just in, in life in general? You know, I'll be very honest, like I was skeptical from day one about this whole idea of giving back and things like that. I I think that there's elements in my life that I do that, but I was, I never really understood the concept until I heard Cole explain it. And I think that was really a light bulb moment for me was just that the the data around it, because I love numbers and I love all of the things that he talked about just with where people are in terms of the decisions they make around buying product now. And, and then you see it and he mentions a couple brands like Stella giving back clean water. And if you're at a bar, and I think Randy brought up this example at our last event, is if you're at a bar and there's Heineken and Stella and that Stella has an element of their business that's dedicated for purpose, why would I buy the Heineken when I could buy the Stella and I know it's going to a good place? And so when I heard all of it and I hear Cole tell the story and I know how passionate you guys are about this, you can't help but get on board with this idea of creating for a purpose business, because I think there's something that's that's missing out there in the business world. And that is exactly this idea of, yes, we can be as successful as we want to be as business owners, but really how much do we actually need to take home at the end of the day? And how can we start to give some of that back or give our time or give our experiences or give in whatever way you can? It doesn't necessarily always have to be monetary. There's so many other things that we can do. But being there with those guys and getting to know them a little bit backstage and just having a chance to, to talk with some really successful people who are behind this idea, I think it, it was really a life-changing moment for me. How has the thought of giving motivated you to do more now? I've never had a great why in, in real estate. You get that question all the time, like, oh, what's your why? And I'm like trying to search for something, right? And my parents were didn't have a lot of money as I was growing up, which is true. And I never want to be in a situation where I am so focused on money and, and make my decisions around it. But you got to have a bigger purpose, I think, than, than just having financial freedom, because that's relatively easy to come by, I think, depending on what your version of financial freedom is. But then it's what's beyond that? Because once you get to that point and you're generating income, you've got assets and you've got all this stuff, like what's next after that? And that's where I think you got to shift the mindset to finding a, a deeper purpose. And I don't even know that I'm there yet. I don't know that I fully have figured out what that thing is. I know what the things that I'm passionate about, and I know where I'm putting my energy right now, but I don't know that's where it's going to be, or that's going to be the thing that I'm known for in this space. But for now, I'm, I'm really passionate about what I'm giving back to, and I'm excited about the journey there, but I think that there's still room to grow and, and I can't wait to see what comes next. I don't want to discredit your YouTube channel. So many people think about giving back has to be a check or it has to be something, but the amount of hours that you put in to helping people and inspiring them, and you're helping on such a grand scale with your channel, that alone is a massive component of giving. 
just out of curiosity, how big do you plan on your YouTube channel going? Is that mm-hmm. going to be something that's going to be forever in your future and a part of your giving back component of supporting and helping people there? It's thank you for bringing that up because I think that's something that I always forget about is my YouTube channel and that it is essentially, it's, it's a volunteer job. <laughs> um, <laughs> I lose more money than I make on my YouTube channel. Not because like, like I'm, my monetization now is decent. I'm fine to share. It's like a thousand bucks a month or something, but I pay somebody to outsource all the things that I don't have time to do. And that costs me like three grand a month. So I lose my money every single month on my YouTube channel. So it's definitely a way to give back. And I tell you what, um, on a daily basis, I get, in Instagram messages, Facebook messages um, from people just saying, thank you so much. Because I think they understand that what goes into producing something like that. Um, and they're like, I just can't thank you for all of the things you do in this space. And it is, I forget about it a lot, that it's my massive contribution. And I don't know that I have a ceiling on it. Right now, I'm getting 70,000 views a month on my channel. I just hit 11 and a half thousand subscribers. I never thought I'd get there in this short amount of time. So I'm just, if I can impact even more people and keep producing videos and I can outsource a lot of that and it doesn't have to take up a ton of my time like it did in the beginning, then I will continue to produce content for as long as I can. That's awesome, dude. And I think that's probably one of the most overrated components of giving or underrated, sorry, components of giving is like just the time and effort and energy it goes into teaching and training. And Steve and I know with our meetup, it was the same thing. We don't make money on our meetup, but the consistent time, it's not like we just show up and speak. There's hours of planning and everything that goes into it. And people forget how much work that actually is. The last thing I wanted to touch on quickly before we move on here was what's obviously your YouTube channel is a component of giving. But in real estate, we talk a lot about giving in the sense of providing housing and providing good stuff. And right now, I know that's something you guys are doing in a space where a lot of people are talking about, we need more housing and we need more stuff. What does it mean to you when you start talking about real estate in that space of providing housing or providing rentals or providing nice, clean rentals? Because I know that's a big problem out there right now. And you guys are providing some A-quality products. What does that look like for you on the giving space there? How does that make you feel? We're shifting into a, an affordability space for our developments. Not all of our uh, units in our developments are in the affordability sector, but a, a portion of them are. And I think that's really important for us as developers is um, to be getting into that space of, yes, we're going to create brand new, clean, safe housing for people. And also, it's, there's going to be some of those units that are affordable and that are accessible because those are two big things. And we're also trying to hit more energy efficient standards on our builds. So all of those three things together. And there's some incentives. I'm not going to lie. Right? The you know, CMHC has is, is now introduced some programs for incentives for us to be able to do that. But that, I think, is a big thing for us. And I think the other thing that we don't do a lot of is we don't do a lot of um, selling of our units. We actually build for the purpose of creating rental housing. And not to say that's always the way that it's going to be, but I think a lot of developers will build to sell, to exit. We like to build to rent and hold for, for a longer period of time. So I think with those elements, those are two of the ways that we're getting back on, on the housing side. But Toronto is just one of those markets that's getting more and more unaffordable for people. And so even putting on a couple units that we are every single uh, development is not enough for sure, but it's a step in the right direction. Right? Everything starts with these ground roots movements of developers putting profits aside to say, okay, we can still make money here, but we can also get back to our local communities by creating some affordable housing. 
love it, dude. And more and more developers are going to pop on that train. And I think it's going to create just a social wave of uh, support for more and more families out there that, that don't have that accessibility to new modern living, which is uh, getting tougher and tougher no matter where you live in Canada these days. But just before we jump into what we call the giving round, which we ask every guest, we just want to take a second, just like brag on yourself for a moment, just around one of your favorite times of giving that just gives you goosebumps every time you think about it. It it happened recently, actually. I mean, you guys were a big part of it. It was after I went to Thrive and then we had our event in Montreal and Randy gave his amazing presentation on, for those folks that haven't heard the Thrive presentation, Randy knocked out of the park and just talked about creating for-purpose businesses. And I was like, what is that? What is that thing that I want to do? And I love animals. I love my dog. Uh, I got her from a rescue organization called Save Our Scruff in Toronto. They do amazing work. She's from Mexico. They got her off the streets and brought her back to Canada. We adopted her. She's been an amazing animal. And so that experience has been truly uh, life-changing for me. And so that was really the only thing that I could think of besides like the affordable housing and the YouTube channel. I was like, where could I put my energy as well? And I thought about doing this to help support Save Our Scruff. And so I was asked to be a guest on a, like a, a virtual conference. And there was a, an award, a first place award of if you had the most registrants under your name, there was a $500 prize. And so I just put it out there. It was funny. I put it out there first, just be like, hey, sign up for this conference. There's a first place prize of 500 bucks. And there was literally like probably three people that registered under my, my dedicated link or whatever. The moment that I said, you know what? First prize is $500 and I will donate all $500 of that money. And I'll match the donation as well with a personal donation of $500 as well to save our scruff. I was not even on the leaderboard in the first couple of days. And then I think I doubled the next person that was even closest to me because I introduced that element of this money is going to be donated to a charity and I'm going to match it. And that was really one of those moments where I thought this is pretty powerful and it's not a lot, it's a thousand bucks, whatever, but it's still, it's a step in the right direction for me. And it's an exercise you understand the value of for purpose and what it really does for your business. That is so special, dude. And that's so cool. And I think it just shows the value of $500 for you probably wasn't going to change too much of your lifestyle, but to get everybody around and get them thinking about it, the awareness you brought to the charity and then being able to a thousand dollars to them might mean the difference between saving a dog or not saving a dog. And, and when you start looking at that lifestyle, or that component, that is so incredible and just so much kudos to you for stepping into this space and really embracing it and seeing the impacts and effects that you can make just by growing your business a little bit, thinking a little bit differently and adding a a giving component to it. And I definitely love watching you grow into it, but we are now going to jump into our giving round, just some rapid fire questions, uh, quick answers. And there's about six or seven questions here for you. So the first one being just I think this one's going to be a no-brainer, but brag on a charity that you like. Save Our Scruff. I think they do amazing work based in Toronto. They rescue dogs from all over the Caribbean and south of uh, US and all over the place. What gets you more excited? Donating a million dollars as a check or spending a week physically helping people being on ground zero? I've never done it, but I love building. Uh, That's what I used to do for a while. So I will very soon make that exact choice in the next little while to go and help build something from the ground up. I think that uh, I'd love to do both, but I think if I had to choose, I'd love to just get in there with my hands and build something. 
who inspires you with their giving? I got to say, you guys uh, definitely got me on this train and this train of thought of going for purpose. And so I think you are my first glimpse into this world. And so I know that you're always just thinking about this and everything that you do in your business. There's no one, I've been, I don't need to go any further than you guys. It's been an, an amazing, you guys have been amazing mentors to me for this. It's uh, bringing a tear to my eye, Darren. <laughs> Do you think that you should start giving right from the beginning of your business or wait until you've seen a little bit of success and have some money in the bank? I think you got to start right away. I think that's one element that, that because I try to introduce that as a line item later on. And yes, it's easy when you're profitable, but if you can do that right from the start, I think A, you're being more motivated to, to be successful. And I think B, it's just, it's easy. It's just always there. You have that giving component in your spreadsheets, if you will. Uh, and that's a great thing to be able to do. We hit most of this in our conversations. So a lot of these questions are just coming up again, but giving is uh, done in multiple different forms. It can be the sense of a free program, mentorship, resources. What's one unique way that you're giving back that isn't your YouTube channel or your properties that you're developing? It's uh, a tough question. I, I think that I've always been passionate around educating young people. And so I'm just I'm always trying to mentor my nephews. I was just talking to my nephew. It was, it was 23rd birthday or something the other day. Um, and I said, dude, you got to buy a house. He's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm like, don't worry about it. He's like, what kind of money do I need? Well, I said, if you can qualify for financing, he's going through engineering. He's in his last year. I'm like, you'll, I'll get you all set up with the bank and everything. I'll put up the down payment money. We'll partner together. But I think just educating young people on the value of getting in there and, and starting to figure out your finances early is, is another way that I'd love to give back. Brilliant. In only one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Beauty. Love that. Oh man, it's been such a great interview, but we have to end with this one question. It's the age old question. And we want to know what you have to say. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? I don't because there's been moments in my life where I've had more money than I ever thought I ever would. And I've, it does not, doesn't change my, doesn't change the course of my day, whether I'm happy or not. I think that's where people get lost most of the time is that they believe that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that's going to solve all your problems. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Make no mistake. I'm pretty happy right now, but uh, it has nothing to do with money. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for coming on and, and sharing all about your uh, journey and giving and the real estate stuff you're working on. Where's the best place for people to check out your YouTube and, and your website, things like that? Yeah, it's simple. Everything of mine is just branded with my name. So YouTube uh, forward slash Darren Boros or my website, darrenboros.com. Awesome, man. Thank you for being you, showing up in this world, coming on this podcast and inspiring us continue to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can give bigger with our profits. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, Take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.